Father, we are so thankful for your grace that allows us to uh, be here today and to gather. And Father, we come to worship Christ and to celebrate uh, your great love as our Heavenly Father uh, to us. And we are thankful for the way, uh, one of the many ways that you extend grace to your people and that you do give us fathers. And Lord, I pray that uh, in our fathers, uh, we would see uh, your love and compassion, that we would see uh, your uh, leadership, your provision, your protection. And Lord, we uh, are so thankful for just the innumerable ways you have extended your kindness to us. And Father, as we look at your word now and we uh, see this parable uh, that Jesus gave, uh, that gives us a picture of your compassion, the fatherly compassion that you have for your people. Lord, I pray that we would be just convicted of our sin and convicted of the inadequate view of your compassion that we often have. And Lord, that you would just overwhelm us with your love and your grace and your patience that you have toward us. And Father, we just pray that your word is taught in accuracy and clarity and that it is understood in accuracy and clarity. We commit these things to you in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open to the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 verse 11. The Gospel of Luke chapter 15 verse 11 and that's page 874 in uh, the Red Pew Bible that should be in front of you. So if you don't have a Bible with you, I invite you to, uh, to just reach out uh, and grab that Red Pew Bible and open it up. And uh, that way you can read along uh, in God's Word because we, uh, as a church, uh, live under the authority of Jesus Christ and the Word that He has given us. And it's the Word that brings life. It's the Word that brings sanctification. And so we want to uh, let the Word of God be the focus this morning. So, uh, again, I encourage you to to find a Bible there and and open it up. It's page 874 in the Red Bible. You have your own Bible, Luke chapter 15. Uh, starting with verse 11, and we'll be looking this morning at the compassion uh, of our Heavenly Father. And I'll be looking at a parable that for many of you, uh, you if you uh, were active in church as a child and growing up, you've probably heard several times. It's one of the more familiar Bible stories, uh, but sometimes the most familiar Bible stories uh, can be those stories that we know the least uh, and, and so hopefully this case, as we look at this passage this morning, uh, we will be uh, reminded uh, for some of us, and for, for some of us maybe for the first time, uh, seeing the beauty of God's grace that He has uh, for His people. So this is uh, coming from Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11, the, pro- the parable of the prodigal son. And I'll begin reading in verse 11 of chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke. And Luke writes, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And many days later the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he, and he began to be in need. And he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into its fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. And when he came to himself, he said, 
How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. And he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look at these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, he who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that I have, all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So a great parable that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us this morning that is, that is packed with significant uh, uh, theological truths and application for us today, uh, some 2,000 years after Jesus gives this parable. When we look at this parable, there are, are three main characters, right? We have what? We have the, the first son, the son who goes off and comes back uh, uh, repentant. And so we'll just call him the re- repentant son. And then we also have the father, right? So we have the, this father who is displayed as a compassionate father in his heart, says that he felt compassion, but also in his actions. And then we have the third character who is who? This brother, who is, I think maybe the best word to describe him is the envious brother. And so these three main characters of the story are all teaching us something. Because uh, Jesus gave parables, uh, and he just wasn't uh, uh, just a great storyteller, and he liked telling stories, but there was meaning in the parables. There was significant truth that he uh, meant to convey in these parables. And just as we have great stories in our society and culture, and that uh, we uh, have great novels uh, that we read our children and read as adults, uh, those stories, if you talk to the authors... Uh, they're not meaningless stories. They all have some type of truth that they are, 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 are desiring to, to communicate uh, to the readers. And so Jesus here is giving us this parable. And he includes these three main characters of the repentant son, the compassionate father, and the envious son. And so as we unpack this, my hope is, is that we think about several things. One, we think about our relationship with the Father and, and how uh, where in this story we fit and if we have the proper understanding of God. 
uh, but also recognizing even our role as, as earthly fathers and earthly parents. Because just a simple question of, th- of asking, why do we have fathers? Well, the, the, the simple answer is, well, that's the way God ordered the world, right? Uh, that, that could God have ordered the world in a different way, to where we don't have fathers? Yes, He could have, but He didn't. So the question then comes, why did God order the world in such a way that we have parents, that we have fathers and we have mothers? One of the reasons is that our children, and when I say our children, not only our earthly children, but also our spiritual children, so even if you're not an actual father, that that people should be seeing this from us, they should be seeing aspects of who God is and how we are. So in a perfect world, uh, Malachi and Karis and Asher would see the way I treat them and the way I act as a father, and it would be giving them a small, insufficient, yes, but a small picture of the way God interacts with us as His people. Now the problem is we live in a sinful world, and I fall short of that often, and, and you fall short of that. But part of the goal of fatherhood is not just to to be a father, but that we are being a father in such a way that we are pointing our children, our grandchildren, our nieces and nephews, all the children uh, that we come into contact, we we are acting and conducting ourselves in such a way that we are giving these little minds and hearts a picture of the way the Heavenly Father interacts with His people. And so that's part of the application that we'll, we'll talk about later. But in this story, we'll start with the first character, which is this repentant son. Now how does he start off? He starts off what? As you would say, with this arrogant, know-it-all, uh, uh, seeking the worldly pleasures type guy. And you would say, well, he seems like a normal 18, 19-year-old to me. Uh, that most 18, 19-year-olds, you could start 15 to you know, 22 or 23-year-olds, uh, kind of had this attitude of, hey, I, just, I want to see the world, I want to, I want to experience the world, I want to do everything, I have everything figured out. And so uh, he goes to his father, he asks for his inheritance, and the father gives it to him. Now, we're not here to debate whether or not the father should have gave it to him. In the story, the father gives it to him. So he gives it to him. And the, the son goes off and does what many people would have done. He squanders it. You know, how many times do you hear uh, stories of, uh, we'll just use athletes, athletes sign these millions of dollars of contracts and three years after they retire, they're bankrupt. And you just wonder, how in the world have you gone bankrupt? You know, you, had, you just signed a, you know, a few years ago a $10 million contract and now you've squandered all your money on all these things and it's not going to come back. So this boy is the same way. That his attitude right now is not one of repentance. That he, to him, he has no need to repent. repent. He has no need to seek wisdom from anyone. He has no need to to seek mercy. Because he has everything. He has his money. And if you would have met him on the road after he uh, leaves his father's house, and you said to him, let's just say his name is Tom. And you said, Tom, I've got... Great truth that I need to share with you. Do you think Tom is going to be interested in listening to you? No. He's like, look, dude, whatever you have, I don't have time for it. Because I don't need it. I don't need anything. I'm, I'm physically healthy. 
I have more money than I know what to do with right now. And in a couple of days, he's going to have the uh, assumption that he has all these wonderful friends, women, friends, food, whatever money can buy, he has it. But what happens? It doesn't last long, as obviously it's easy to see that from uh, looking at the story. But it doesn't last long. In fact, the scriptures say that there he squandered his property in reckless living. So taking their, instead of taking that inheritance and going and investing it or starting a business or uh, doing something that wasn't reckless with it, he just he squanders it and wastes it. And he ends up in a situation worse off than he was before he got the money. And this is where he begins to change. He spent everything and there comes a famine. He doesn't have any food to eat. So he goes from having everything to not even having enough food. And so he goes to work for this man. He's feeding pigs and wanting to eat the pig's food. And so just imagine that. I mean, a lot of you have had pigs. We had pigs growing up and, you know, you know they're pigs. You give them whatever's left. You don't give them steaks and pork chops. Well, of course you don't give them pork chops. <laughs> but you don't give them the good food. You give them the junk food. And this man, this is the point that he had reached in life. To where he was destitute. He didn't have a home. The friends that he thought he had were gone. The money that he had has been squandered. He doesn't even have food to eat. And he comes to the point of, of helplessly realizing his inability to save himself. He comes to the point to where he realizes he is, he's hopeless. He, he comes to the hopeless point of life. And to where he recognizes that, that it comes in, he's like, well, wait a second, my father has servants that are in a better condition than me. So he says, well, I, what I'll do, I'll go back to my father. And I will come repenting of my sin. So, so it's amazing here, the, the, this boy, this son, isn't being deceptive. He knows that he has failed. He knows that he has sinned. I think that the words that he has here are genuine, that there's genuine repentance here. That he's not just saying, oh, I'm going to go to my dad and, and tell him that I'm sorry, and you know, then he'll forgive me and I can be a servant. But I think that, that he is grieved here, that he recognizes the foolishness of what he's done. That his father and his kindness gave him his inheritance and he squandered it. That he's lived for the world and he's realized that though there, there was pleasure in that. But, there, but it was fleeting pleasure. There was happiness in that reckless living, but it was fleeting happiness. Obviously, it wasn't happiness and contentment and peace that we've been looking at the last several weeks from the Beatitudes. It was a worldly happiness, which will last a minute, 15 minutes, maybe a day, two days, but... There's no contentment there. 
And notice what he says in verse 18. He says, I'm going to go to my Father. I'm going to rise and go to my Father. And I'm going to say to Him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before You. And I am no longer worthy to be called Your Son. So he, 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 at this point we see Him as the repentant Son. That He has a, a spirit of repenting. That He recognizes His failures. He recognizes His need to return to His Father, confess His sin, and repent. Now, before we go further, if you are the father in this story, what is your response to when this son comes up? What would be your response? I'm fearful to think about what my response would have been. He begins returning home, and it said while he was still a long way off, Verse 20. His father saw him, and immediately what happens? His father sees him, and what does he see? Because obviously his father knows what has happened, because the son knows what's happened. Because when he returns, the son is talking about, you know, he squandered all your, your money with prostitutes. So, so obviously the father knows what has happened with his son. And he sees him, and what is the first response of the father? Is it anger? Is it hatred? Is it disappointment? None of those things that I think would have most likely been my first response. But in fact, it is compassion. So the Father sees Him and felt compassion. And the Father ran and embraced Him and kissed Him. Now just imagine this picture. Now, in our society, especially with our older generation, running and kissing and embracing isn't usually adjectives that are used and verbs that are used to describe our type of actions, right? We're men. We are reserved and proper. We do handshakes. Nothing wrong with those things, but just that, that situation was even more so in the time of Jesus. And so these words of imagining a father running from his house to embrace his disobedient, rebellious, what many would say disappointing son. So we might be running, but we would be running with what? With a belt or, or a limb or something. But this is not what the father's doing. He's running to what? To embrace Him and to kiss Him. And, and you can almost see this conversation. Imagine this conversation going out. To where you know, how does the son feel? Do you think the son is nervous? Do you think there's an element of shame that he has? Because he knows he has failed his father. Obviously his father is a wealthy man, a respected man. He has servants. So he knows that he has disappointed his father. He knows that he has brought shame to his father's family name. He knows that he sinned. And so just imagine the, the anxiety that he has as he's approaching his father's house. What's my dad going to say? You know, is he going to give me what I know I deserve? And then he sees the father running. So maybe he's even... More scared then. He sees the father running, but he didn't know why he's running. 
And as soon as he, he comes, he's saying, Father, I've sinned against you, heaven. I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be even called your son. And then in verse 22, you have this quick, but the father said to his servants. It's almost like as the son was saying these things, Father, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy. He's just like, stop, servants, bring the robes, bring the ring, go and kill the fatted calf and let us eat and celebrate. Now, in this parable, Jesus isn't wanting to give us a parable about how to be a good father necessarily. Who is the compassionate father in this parable? It's God. It's the Heavenly Father. So Jesus is trying to convey to His listeners, look, the Father knows that you have sinned against Him. The Father knows that you have squandered what you've been given with reckless living. He knows that. He created you to worship, serve, obey Him, and you've squandered it by seeking after worldly pleasures instead of seeking after the pleasure of Christ. God knows that. But the beauty of this story is that when we turn from our rebellion and our sin and our squandering and reckless living and we turn to God, what do we find? I told you you shouldn't have done that. Get out of here. It's not what we find. But we find a compassionate Father who accepts us because of our repentance. Now, the beauty of the Gospel is this. It doesn't matter if you've committed adultery. It doesn't matter if you robbed a bank. It doesn't matter if you cuss someone out. It doesn't matter if you are addicted to pornography. It doesn't matter if you... Gossip, 25 out of 24 hours in the day. The Father is ready to embrace you with kisses and put the best robe on you and put the ring on your hand, the shoes on your feet and kill the fatted calf when you come to Him in repentance. That what you find in the Father is forgiveness. Because the wrath that you justly deserve because of your reckless living, and the wrath that I justly deserve because of my reckless living, has been put upon Christ on the cross. And so that God can be just and compassionate. His justice is displayed in the crucifixion of Christ and His compassion is displayed when He says, Come to Me. Repent and believe in Me. Come to Me. When I was thinking about this passage, the story of Jonah came to mind. If you remember the story of Jonah, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach repentance. What did Jonah do? He left. He didn't go to Nineveh first. He got on a, on a ship, went somewhere else. And he gets in the well. He gets spit up. And then he goes to, to Nineveh. And they repent. 
Now, I just want to read two verses for you from the book of Jonah. This, this is right after the people of Nineveh repented and God relented of the judgment that He was going to put on Nineveh because they repented. Notice what Jonah says. What a great preacher right here. In verse 1 it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. What displeased Jonah exceedingly was that God was merciful to Nineveh. So it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Now notice this is what Jonah says, O Lord, is this not what I said when yet I was in my country? That this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from danger, from disaster. So Jonah is saying, I knew it, God. I knew, this is what I said, I knew that if I went to Nineveh and they repented that you would be gracious to them and merciful and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Praise God that we have a God and that our God, who yes, is perfect in His holiness and His wrath and His anger, but is a God who is gracious and steadfast and gracious to us. That He is relenting in His anger. Desiring that we repent and turn to Him. But the truth is, is that many of us have trouble with that because we have a different view of the Father. That we get our view of the Father from the attitude of the envious brother. Because the repentant son is happy, right? The compassionate father is happy. Who's not happy? The last character, this envious brother. Why is he not happy? He's jealous. He's envious. He thinks that because this person, this brother of his, squandered the property on prostitutes, that he has no right to now come back to the Father and expect forgiveness and mercy. And the reality is, is that there are many people in the church who fit the description of the envious brother. That if an adulterer walks through these doors, or a prostitute, or someone who's never been to church, or who was in church, but went through a nasty divorce, or something happened, and they haven't been back to church, that when they come in, that our attitude is more like this envious brother. And so that people feel like that, well, that's the way the people are, that must be the way God is. That I, I can't go to God because He could never forgive me of these things that I've done. Well, guess what? Just because you can't forgive someone doesn't mean that God doesn't forgive. Just because I have trouble forgiving someone doesn't mean that God doesn't forgive. But we have to be careful Because when we act like the envious brother, then we are portraying to people outside of the church that this is the way God is. That when you come back from squandering the inheritance, and you come back from a reckless life, then the first thing God's going to do is bend you over with a belt. And that's the attitude that people have. That God could never forgive this. That I've done too much. 
But the Bible is clear that the lashing that I deserve has already been taken. What does the prophet Isaiah say? By His stripes we are healed. By whose stripes? Jesus' stripes. That He bore our iniquities and our transgressions that we may have peace with the Father. That we may be reconciled. So when we run to God... And when we run in repentance and when we're turning from our life of reckless living and squandering and living for the world, the punishment that we justly deserve has already been placed and given to Christ. So what the Father has for us is not condemnation, but compassion, love, Forgiveness. Mercy. So, regardless of where you are in life, know that there is no sin. Regardless of whoever sitting next to you might think. The Bible says that if you come to the Father in repentance, that there is no sin that is not covered by the blood of Christ. And so come to the Father. Turn from your reckless living and come to the Father because He's standing there looking for you. He's waiting for you to run over the hill. Well, He will embrace you not as a servant, but as a son. And as sons, then heirs. And as fathers and mothers too, is this the way is our parenting style conducive, whether you're a grandparent, aunt or uncle, all this is, you know, we interact with children. Is our parenting style conducive to a way to where we are pointing our children to this truth about the Father? Yes, there is punishment. Yes, there is discipline. But yes, in the end, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That we are displaying compassion to our children, to our nephews, our grandchildren, our nieces. And then finally, let us be careful to make sure that we are not the envious son. That when the prodigal son returns or the prodigal daughter. Maybe they're 15, maybe they're 25, maybe they're 45, maybe they're 75, 80 years old. And they come over the hill and we hear the news that the father has slain the fatted calf for them. Are we going to run in rejoicing that our father is compassionate? Or are we going to say the prayer of Jonah? I knew it. There you go again, God. Being merciful to those who deserve no mercy. I've been faithful in this church for 80 years and you've never killed the fatted calf for me. Me, 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 me. 
That's the only thing this, this son is thinking about. Or will we rejoice with the Father that yes, another lost sheep has been found? Let's go to the Lord in prayer.